Welcome to the Where Humanity Meets Technology podcast, where we talk to business leaders about cybersecurity, data management, and advanced digital solutions to provide strategies to increase the profitability of your company. Now, here's your host, Maurice Hamilton, the CEO of Infinivate Consultancy Services. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Where Humanity Meets Technology. I'm your host, Maurice Hamilton. We, we want to welcome everybody to the audience. Today, we'd like to talk a little bit about our, our what we do with our podcast. We actually have a podcast here where we like to interview and have conversations with chief information officers, chief technology officers, chief security officers, and, and talk about their operations and how they're actually applying some ways with humanity that that makes it better for everybody, better for the organization, better for society, and how they're using automation within their uh, their infrastructure. Today, I'm really honored and very happy to have with me Tom Ferrucci. Tom is actually the Chief Information Officer with NACO Group, and I want to make sure I say that right. Get that you right. Did. So, so Tom, thank you, and I want to welcome you to the to the podcast here, and uh, we're very happy to have you. Well, Maurice, thank you very much for having me on. It's a, it's a great pleasure. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Tom, I'd like to start the conversation off with, with some basic information. And I, I was just telling you a little while, a short time ago, that I've actually been in this industry for many years and and go back to the days of floppy disk and the three and a half inch and a, a five and a quarter floppy drives and DRAM cars and actually little chips to go into motherboards back in the day. When, and we had big mainframes. So, Tom, how did you actually get started in the technology industry? Maybe you can actually open the door a little bit for us and share some information how you got started with technology. Sure, sure. So uh, we talked a little bit before this, and we've been doing this about the same amount of time. I've been involved in the IT for the last 35 years. It really started off with an interest uh, back in high school where, you know, we were doing some very rudimentary programming and trying to learn the basics about how computers worked and thought, you know, could that potentially be of interest to me? And it was. It, it definitely was. So, you know, with that interest in mind, uh, I did end up going to school at Bryant University uh, in Rhode Island to, to study that. And my entire career path has been an IT. I think, uh, you know, started off within uh, programming software development, which is something I, I love to do. And uh, I think it's just kind of evolved into that as I've uh, grown into different roles, different companies. But it really goes back to the ability to create something and then have whatever I created be used in a way to, to help you know, grow the business, grow people, uh, you know, improve processes and things like that. And it's, it's really a fun thing to see when you can create something like that. And then you can actually see the end result of uh, some sort of improvement in place. So it's, uh, it's been a long career, but, and I've seen all the, you know, the technology evolutions that you've talked about and, you know, from where we started to where we are today, to even thinking about what it's going to be like in the next, you know, 10 years or, or so, uh, that, that I'll, you know, continue to work in these areas. It's exciting to, to continue to be part of this. It, it is. And you mentioned something I think that is a common denominator that we both have. We both were coders. We actually did our software development many, many years ago. And I think that it, it goes out to what you just mentioned about the continuous process, continuous improvement, where yes. we want to see the result of our hard work and our labor and all this, all those hours and hours and hours spending on coding. So we like to see the results. No, I agree. I agree. I think that's kind of one of the most rewarding parts of the job is when you can work with someone who's struggling to get something accomplished and then the light goes on in their eyes that they were able to save, you know, time, effort, get the information much faster. And it's, it's always a rewarding part of it. You know, with well, this frustrating parts of it too, when things don't work out as, as precisely as you want. But I think a lot of it, you, know, you can really have an impact on a lot of people and how they work, how the satisfaction of their job is. 
Excellent. Excellent. And, and Tom, I didn't mention this before, but one of my role models, and and I, I don't know if you know who Mike Rowe is, what's it called? Dirty Jobs on yes. TV. Yes. And, I, and I like his role because I actually look at that and say, wow, I would like to do that too. Let me interview different people from different industries. And I want to talk a little bit about NACO Group because this is a little bit different from, I mean, we've interviewed people in engineering, people in, of course, in technology and all and the scientists and all the kind of different people for it. Can you tell our audience a little bit about NACO Group and exactly what the company does? I, I know from from seeing, walking in Lowe's or Home Depot, what, what kind of what you do, but can you share that with the audience here? Yes. So uh, NACO Home Group is a uh, manufacturer and distributor of uh, flooring, primarily rugs. And we also do home decor items, home textiles, uh, things like that, uh, where we are uh, have a two large manufacturing facilities, one in uh, Sanford, Maine, uh, which makes them very high end, uh, just, you know, beautiful uh, carpets that we are selling to a lot of the big box stores that you've mentioned, uh, many of the other ones that everyone is familiar with. We also have a very large uh, site down in Dalton, Georgia, which is the carpet capital of the world. We have uh, five different buildings down there that are manufacturing, again, carpets, rugs um, as well. But we do quite a bit of importing as well. And we import uh, some rugs. We also import some uh, home textiles uh, as well, which are all terrific products uh, for us. We are headquartered here in Rhode Island, where I am. This is our corporate offices. We've been around for 105 years, right? So it's a, it's a well-established company, but it's very forward-looking, continues to grow. I think they've really put some good people, some good processes in place. And it's, it's I think, got a very you know exciting future for a company that's 105 years old. You know, you think, uh, you know, sometimes you, you would think that it doesn't, you know, react as quickly, but it definitely is embracing technology. It's definitely embracing looking to the future and, you know, the different things that we can do, not just in the IT area, but in many other areas as well. So that's, that's always a good thing. I think that's an excellent segue. Congratulations on the company being 105 years old. That is commendable right there. But let's talk a little bit about the, because I know your role is the chief information officer. And let's talk about how, how your role actually comes into play when it comes to not only taking care of the current infrastructure and the hardware and the software and the upgrades that go along with that. Maybe we can start and talk a little bit about the future. How do you actually see that your company, NACO Group, can actually automate more in the future? And what have you guys done right now in order to actually get to those particular levels? You know, I think there's a lot of opportunities for us in, in the future. I think, uh, you know, we're starting to make some progress in areas, you know, with analytics and, and certain tools. And I think we're more than just scratching the surface. We, we've, you know, been able to dive into that pretty deeply. I think we have a, a lot of great data that uh, we, we kind of unlocked with some of the analytics, but we think we can go much further. I think that we can, you know, start leveraging things like AI and machine learning to unlock things that we're not getting insights to. A lot of, you know, a lot of people are doing precisely that, but, you know, our people in our space. We're in that mid-sized space where you're maybe not the biggest in the world, but we're not a little guy either. And, you know, our competitors that are, we're directly, you know, looking at uh, in our space, we want to be ahead of them. We want to be able to leverage technology for a competitive advantage and try to be ahead of the curve on some of that. When you look at tools like machine learning or AI and, and can we leverage that kind of stuff? I also think, you know, tools like, you know, robotics a bit when we're maybe automating some very you know rudimentary processes when it comes to accounting materials and, and and things that we really can look to automate. I think would be something that uh, we're going to try to embrace as well. I think we have lots of opportunities, and for us, it's really trying to prioritize and pick the right opportunities that are really going to help us the most. Uh, so that's that's you know we're seeing a, a lot of things like that, but uh, you know you know 
a year from now, it could be something a little different that strikes our interest and we think that can be really valuable to us. I think the opportunities here, and like any place, are, are pretty pretty broad. And, uh, you know, making sure we pick the right one is always important as well. Oh, that that's awesome. I like how you mentioned two, two really key areas there. You mentioned one with data. I know one of the things that we actually work with our organization, we work with companies to say, I think this is a, I always have to be careful how I say this. A lot of people say your employees are the, the key to your organization. I go back and say, you know, well, I would give a good run for your data being really a key for your organization as well, because your data contains a lot of information about the customer buying behaviors. You can actually put trends analysis there. You can actually look at competitive information. There's a lot of information that you can learn from the data. So I think it's very interesting, very compelling that you guys are actually taking the data and using analytics and, and actually taking that. So how can we actually get better and continue and improve our process there? So that's one yeah. area I thought was, that's, that's really, I don't know if you want to comment a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the people that we work with, obviously we work with like the manufacturing direct employees that manufacture the products and the warehousing people, but you know, there's quite a few people, they're dealing with data, right? They're working in training, you know, management positions, executive positions, and they're dealing with numbers and facts and their ability to react quickly and, and make smart decisions. We're, we're trying to improve that process because that does translate all the way down to the factory floor and, you know, how efficient we can make things, how safe we can make things and how we can, you know, make a better working environment. And a lot of people physically aren't touching the carpets or the home, you know, the core items on a, you know, on a day-to-day basis, but they're dealing with data every single day. That's their jobs in a lot of cases. So the ability for us to to make that process more transparent and more flexible and, and you know, something that uh, can really leverage as a one of our, maybe the biggest asset or one of the biggest assets uh, is important. Wow. And I, when you said that, I kind of like imagine the, uh, the warehouse space there. I imagine that the guys are putting information inside the, uh, the racks and getting everything ready for, for delivery. Because you yes. think about it, you have to have a really big process flow when it comes to supply chain. And like you mentioned, you're importing and exporting. So you have, you have your materials coming in and, and then you're manufacturing everything. You have to have to store everything for it. There's a lot of automation that goes in that process. Definitely is, right? You need to be very efficient with those processes. And, uh, you know, we think we are, we think we can improve, but, uh, I think that's critical to the, to what we're trying to do 100%. Okay. Good. So we're, we're painting a, a picture for our audience here, how that, what that supply chain kind of looks like. And we're talking about the, the storage, uh, the operations facility with the, the manufacturing plant and with the, uh, with the warehousing. And, and you're right. A lot of the guys really don't touch everything for it, but they have some kind of part and fundamental part getting everything out to the door. And one of the things I have to go back and look at that, even with operational efficiency with your software that you're using, Tom, do you guys actually use like like in-house developers to kind of go back and tweak everything for your software and say, how can we actually add this particular module here? Or do you do you outsource that kind of work? How does that work with your organization when you come back and say, how can we make everything better or process improvement? We do. Yeah, we do. We have a good solid core group of developers that have been working on the platform that we run here for quite some time. They have the ability to extend, customize uh, the different systems that we're working on so that we can, you know, tailor it more to our business processes and our users' needs. You know, a lot of times we, we like to keep some generic areas of the system as, as vanilla as possible. When you come to certain areas in the financial areas, whether it's, you know, some of the accounting areas for paying bills or receiving, you know, cash in, that, that doesn't change a lot from 
company to company. But when you really start to delve deeper into the operations area is the differentiator, right? A lot of times in previous positions and in here, we are spending time merging information technology with OT, operational technology. And I think that's really where you get a lot of value, right? You put those two pieces together, you can really start to do some pretty interesting things. You know, when, when you're looking at the, the warehouse or the shop floor, especially in the manufacturing areas, the amount of equipment now that's enabled, you know, IP enabled that you can connect to your network and start gathering data off of, and then take that, you know, I, call, I consider it to be like a tidal wave of data that you can get from these. And, you know, how can we use that to our advantage is, I think, uh, really important. Interesting. You know, I, I read in the uh, the Wall Street Journal this morning, they were talking about, and you, you and I actually probably really big and would think about the future of blockchain. And the article was actually a little different. This article talked about where we all, we know, you and I know the, the advantages. A lot of our audience members know how blockchain can actually come out there and you can use it with the supply chain and you can do chain of custody and all these different things for it. But it was, it was, uh, the article kind of pointed out the saying that a lot of the, the progression that they expected with blockchain is actually is slower than normal. And, and I, and then I thought about that and said, they're probably right because there are so many different moving parts. Because you have to involve the suppliers, you have to involve your operations. There are a lot of people that's involved with blockchain. So, so I, when you mentioned about supply chain, it made me think about that and said, I guess that could be something that can actually, it'll be beneficial when it comes into play, but it can be kind of hard to instill that. You're 100% right. That's an actually an area we focused on quite a bit here. NACO is trying to improve efficiencies with the supply chain. I think in a post-COVID world, you know, supply chain has been a big issue for everyone. And we are aggregating data from many sources into a single repository where we're trying to make this clearer to everyone what the supply chain, what the constraints are. And, and you know, it's a, I think we've had some success, but I think the volatility in the supply chain makes it a challenge, right? We just want to be better than others in terms of trying to manage this. But you're right. There's so many different pieces to it and, and putting all the pieces together has been an interesting uh, process for it. We're getting there and I think we're actually doing pretty good with it, but I, I definitely see, you know, more of it that we can put into it because when you look at things like shipping lanes and port congestion and, you know, the, the different variables that can go into the supply chain, it really is a lot that to come together to, to get your answer at the end of the day. When are my goods going to get to where I need them to be? Right. Absolutely. So, so let me ask you a couple of questions. I'm throwing a whole bunch of information out there. <laughs> and when I think about it, and your role is as the uh, CIO, and I, and I always ask this question, I like to ask the guys to say, what keeps you up at night? What what actually makes you toss and turn sometimes to the night? And most people have the same general answer, but I don't assume anything. What? So, Tom, what would you say? What, what's something that keeps you up at night? So probably the same thing that keeps a lot of people up at night is security, right? Making sure <laughs> that our, our systems and our users are uh, continuing to to be safe, right? We So we're not going to give you the secret sauce here, but we use right. a lot of tools that similar tools to what a lot of other people are using, train our users, and our users have done a nice job with uh, with the training, and you know, we, we test our users, and they've done, a, I think, a, a good job there, but uh, it, we really need to continue to reinforce it. As good as you're doing, you know, you got to get better at it, right? So that's that's the one thing, the biggest thing that probably keeps us up at night. You know, I, I think uh, that that's probably not unlike many other people in my position is is the, the biggest concern, right? Everything we do, right? One of the pillars of everything we do is security, right? It's got to, you know, first you need to have, you know, systems that are functional and systems that are sustainable and that we can derive value out of. But the fourth pillar is security, right? You can have the, the lowest cost system that has the most functionality that will last forever. But if it's not secure, I can't do anything with it because that's the, the whole thing will fall apart. 
It's, it's amazing. Uh, of all the CIOs, CSOs, and CTOs I've asked that question to, it's been unanimous, 100%. Everybody say cybersecurity is the one thing, the one aspect that uh, that they always have to work on every single day because it doesn't go away. You yeah. know, so the two factor, they think about uh, talk about the emails, the testing, the auditing, and there's so much involved with it. So, so you're you're in uh, the same hands with everybody else. So that's and again, I guess not surprisingly, but yes. Uh, yeah, it is. But I think the one day we'll actually be able to have some systems in place and and have some protocols in place that we can actually stop the guys from actually going back and doing some of the, the bad things that they do. We can tell it. I think that the more and more we come up with encryption, the more and more not only the hardware with the biases and, and the systems that that can stop the guys, but um, and then I think we get everybody in the mindset. You always have to be aware of uh, of your environment. You always have to be aware of everything that you open up, and I think that that'll make a big difference, especially to help companies. Because you're right, that is just foremost and forefront of everybody I speak with. Is that security? I agree. Yes. So, so we had a chance to talk about data lakes. We had a chance to talk a little bit about cybersecurity, and uh, we talked about in-house developers. Um, what What are your thoughts, Tom, when it comes to cloud migrations. We saw a really big influx. First of all, let me back it up a little bit. First, nobody wanted to go to the cloud. Everybody said, I'm not going to do anything with the cloud. And, and now I think a lot of companies are still looking at taking more of a of a hybrid type approach. And, and I think there's been a lot of technology going out there where you can actually put your data in AWS or Google now, and your data is actually hidden from a, a lot of the bad actors are out there. And so I'm starting to see a little bit more people actually going out there doing like a hybrid approach. What are, what are your thoughts on high, on cloud migration, especially as we move more towards the future and encryption? Yeah, I, th- I think we followed the same evolution, right? You know, I think when you if you take a look back, you know, going back years, it was probably something that uh, we we were a little bit more skeptical of, and we really thought that uh, you know there was a lot of, a lot of concerns, which there are a lot of concerns. Um, but I think you know as as it has evolved, right? We have developed a strategy where we are hybrid, right? We do a lot of things uh, in the cloud now, you know, and I think for a couple of reasons. I think when you look at things like scalability and redundancy, it's great. I think the myth of it being a low cost option is not always there. I think in the long term, you probably end up paying equivalent or probably even a little bit more. Um, but you know, you, you get to do things like you, you can scale up quickly. You can get redundancy with, you know, multiple data centers and failovers where, you know, it's, it's harder to do that with on-premise solutions. But of course, we still do have some on-premise solutions that we manage. And I think we do a good job managing them and we you know have the failovers and we have a lot of the redundancies that are required for, for those types of things. But you know, if we're looking at a new initiative and a new project, typically we look cloud first. Let's see, you know, what we can deploy because people now are used to adoption of the cloud and they can see that you can deploy a little more rapidly in some cases than they're, you know, they're looking for that kind of a solution. And uh, we do look there first a lot of times. So that's that's really where it starts off with me in, in a lot of cases. A lot of people say the same thing. And I, and I think that's, uh, again, one of those unanimous type migrations that I'm starting to see with the uh, CEOs and CTOs out there and CIOs. Here's a, more of a question, more of a survey type question. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that, well, let me ask you a question first. Are you noticing that you're replacing your hardware as often as you were before in the past or pretty much now you're running for three years or, or five years or a certain period of time with your, with the hardware out there? Do you replace it as like once a year? Uh, are you, are you starting to see that, that happen? 
Yeah, so I think that the cycles to do the the replace the hardware hasn't changed very much. Sometimes, you know, you're looking at the, you know, the financial impact will say, all right, hey, this year, you know, I know when I had spent many years in the automotive, there were some cyclical economic downturns in automotive. So we may have ratcheted it back a little bit and then we kind of catch up a little bit. But, you know, I think for us, you know, you're looking at a desktop environment every three to four years on the server, SAN, you know, infrastructure equipment, it's a little bit longer cycle. It hasn't changed a lot for us. You know, I think we need to stay on top of it, right? We, we continuously review it. And uh, I think we have some tools now to manage the assets that are a little better than they had been in the past. So we try to leverage those tools to make better decisions for us. Okay. And I'm, I'm finding that that seems to be uh, the trend as well. Now you can actually update some of the systems with the bias to keep them updated mm-hmm. for the software, do patches and everything for it. But I think that people want to keep the system automated to process information as fast as possible because that does in the long run improve productivity and performance for employees. Okay. Yeah, you can't let it go too long for sure. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then the last question I have for you, what do you think about uh, when it comes to like automation in, in the future? How do you see automation, especially in regards to your industry of actually being state of the art? What what are some of your your plans and your dreams in that particular area? Yeah, you know, I think for us, I think it's kind of a continuation, continuation of a couple of things we talked about. I think, you know, really trying to leverage more of the tools. I, I think, you know, we really want to make a deeper push into things like IoT, you know, being able to connect to more equipment on the on the plant floor and the operations area. I do think that's a big differentiator when you merge IT and OT, like I said, the operational technology. I think robotics can and definitely help out in, in certain areas, right? Where, you know, because we're doing a lot of importing, we're managing a lot of inventory, you really would love to get better management of the inventory if we do a good job now, but it can be a labor-intensive process at times. And I think there's things that we have foundationally already in place that we can leverage to, to make these uh, tasks uh, more manageable, much more efficient, much more accurate. So I would say that uh, kind of thing. I think we talked a little bit about potential uh, safety issues as well. So I think using some tools, uh, whether it's low-code, no-code, uh, to come up with uh, you know safety audits, things like that. I know back when uh, COVID started, we were using facial recognition and some other tools to, you know, determine, you know, people that were entering the facility. And it actually not only did facial recognition, it actually did a heat scan too. So that it would take people's temperatures so that it would, you know, we know who the person was and if they, you know, potentially had, you know, they were not feeling well and, you know, we, we try to keep the rest of the, the employees safe. So using tools like that were things that, you know, when I look at the beginning of my career, we never would have thought about that stuff. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that you look forward to, you know, another you know, 10 years from now, we, we, we just try to, like I said, I think we try to stay ahead of companies within our space. It's probably tough for us to compete with a hundred billion dollar companies, but we really want to be ahead and use IT to a competitive advantage for the people that we're directly competing with. We want to be able to leverage the data and the information and the best way that we possibly can. And again, hopefully make the right choices because there's so many different things we can do with it. Well, I a hundred percent agree with, I think you're moving in the right direction, especially think about biometrics, uh, IOT and sensors and facial recognition and heat scan temperatures for, for any place. Cause you, it's a safety thing too. You know, everybody is. Can say, not, not only safety for the, uh, for the health of people, but safety for security for everybody as well. You know, there's yeah, a, lot no. of, a lot of movement parts there. I agree 100%. Yes. Wow. Well, Tom, this has been a, uh, an awesome podcast here and I really enjoy the, uh, the conversation here. And, and, uh, I think we have the, the, the loving for automation and love for, for the, uh, for the future here. So I want to thank you for your time here. This is really, really great. No, Maurice, thank you very much for uh, inviting me to be on. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you about some of these, uh, different areas that we, we've discussed. And, uh, just again, thank you very much.
Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, if you enjoyed uh, today's podcast, please be sure to like it and and drop a couple of comments and send me an email. I like to uh, have different ideas on different uh, different other guests that we can bring on in the future, and we can actually enlighten everyone with uh, something that's going to be something that's going to actually get uh, intrigue you and interest you. Uh, we've had some inter- interesting guests like Tom here that actually that brought some additional insights, and, uh, and I think that we can all benefit from it. So, thank you, everyone, and we'll catch you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from your host, connect with Maurice on LinkedIn at Maurice Hamilton. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.